Should we do a song intro? Mm-hmm. You said you had something practiced. I was beatboxing. Mm-hmm. That's it. You already, you already kind of heard it. Uh, how about, uh... Someone saw me long ago. <laughs> There's a shift before the shift is. I know. Cause it fucking sucks. But then you get the shifty afterwards. Yeah, so something about a summer day. I don't know. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to Shifty. I want to know what the content's like today. Who's the guest? What do they say? That was good. A full circle. Joey? Joey? Bringing it home? I protested the Vietnam War, and it killed 100,000 Americans and was a total bullshit act by Henry Kissinger to uh, enhance America's hard power and soft power. And I don't believe in American political dogmatism. And uh, yeah, guys, wow. wow. Truth. Somebody once told me, that you have a funny story and a decent analogy. I think that was me about five seconds ago. And here it is. So this lady came into brunch the other day. And um, she was... I could tell she was a little high strung. Some people are just like a little bit on edge, you know, when they sit down at your bar. Um, you know, give them space, as you do with most people, right? Like if they're just kind of being like strange. You're just like, yeah, do your thing, person. It's your space. Here you go. You've signed up for this little contract of me and you together now. And she, like, settled in, read the menu for about five minutes. And, you know, you can tell when they're reading the menu still and when they're not because she's had it up. And I, you know, eventually went over because she still had the menu up. And I was like, can I can I get you something? And she was like, um, do you guys have espresso? And you'd figure by the time that she spent five minutes of reading the menu that she probably would have seen her, her coffee options. But she still asked it. And I was like, no, we don't do espresso. And she was like, oh, oh, that's okay. That's all right. That's fine. It's all right. Direct quote. Um, can I instead get a decaf and a regular coffee mixed half and half? I was like, what? What is that? That's like going to your crack dealer and being like, hey, man, you got any crack today? And he's like, <laughs> sorry, dude. I don't have any crack today. And you're like, ah, that's all right. Can I get some marijuana instead? It's like, what? where are you coming from, lady? Where you're like, yeah, do you guys have uh, espresso? No. All right, well, but what about a half-calf? That sounds good instead. What, what was she thinking, guys? What do you think? Like, what is this lady thinking? Like, can I get a double shot of espresso or a half-calf? Maybe she was going to ask you for half espresso. Yeah, like I'm going to, like, take the half myself? I mean, I've had, no, I've had people be like, oh, can I get an espresso that's half what? And I put half grounds of regular and half grounds of decaf. Ah. And then I make the espresso. I don't like it, but I do it. Yeah. I I find that an entirely reasonable explanation. Another thing I would chalk that up to is she doesn't know the difference between espresso and coffee besides taste and or ability to make cappuccinos Hmm. and therefore thinks they are the same thing. Maybe. I think personally that she was geeking hard on coffee already and she was like, I got to ride this train to Nirvana or I've got to like level myself out. That's what I think, because she was being strange, and she was all, like, jittery. Mm. Was she your crack dealer? No. <laughs> my crack dealer does not come into my workplace. He knows better at this point. <laughs> he, that eliminates half the population. Bow, 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 bow. Just kidding. I don't do that many drugs. Please don't listen to this podcast, Mom. 
that's relevant because we'll make a similar joke later this episode, which you are about to hear, featuring one Spencer Enright. That is his last name. <laughs> yeah. His two middle names are Michael and Thomas. That's is it? Interesting. Yep. Huh. Wow. It's like a Seahawks roster right there. That is. Or the Saints wide receiver. Mm. One of the two. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into some stories about, I mean... If you clicked on this episode, you know the word of the week is anaphylactic shock. And spoiler alert, we might talk about that. But we've got some other just classic server stories from our good old, good old buddy old pal Spencer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Get your EpiPens ready. Get ready. Can you imagine being deathly allergic to something? Like no. I, my <laughs> eyes itch when I'm around my dog, and that sucks. Yeah, no. Dude, when like spring started two days ago, I got kind of runny nose and like yeah i was sneezy that's like nothing i can't imagine being like oh yeah don't bring peanuts near me or i'll die or i will die foam wallet keys EpiPen. just in case <laughs> i need to not die and have my throat close up and suffocate because of a random thing i eat at any restaurant ever where would you guys keep your EpiPen? Because, I mean, like, I already know where my phone and my wallet and my keys are. Where are you going to keep your EpiPen? Mm. Strapped across my chest, like an ammunition belt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like with a, a bunch, with a a bunch of little ones? Like a bandolier, <laughs> like little, yeah, rechargeable ones. That's badass. That way I could just go eat a bunch of peanuts and yeah. <laughs> just have tons of ammo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too many peanuts. I'm sorry. If you're offended by this because you are one of our one listener who has... <laughs> A peanut allergy. I mean, if you made it this point and haven't died by peanuts or died from getting offended at jokes about peanut allergies, I don't know how you made it this far, man. They probably have a bandolier of EpiPens. They probably do. That's probably how they made it this far. Yeah, every time they get all offended about people making fun of peanut allergies, they got to give themselves an EpiPen shot. Is bandolier the the word for that? Yeah, it's like what Chewbacca would wear. A bandolier. Yeah, bandolier. That's the coolest word ever. Right? That is a pretty cool word. Yeah. I think that I would keep my EpiPen in like a cyanide capsule. But like in a ah, fake tooth. Fake tooth. Yeah, so like when I'm like when I know it's gonna happen, I'm just like punch myself on the side of the face and like bite down really hard. And I'm just like That's hardcore. I'm alright, guys. Yeah. It's that like a wisdom sick. it's like a wisdom tooth capsule. That'd be so sick. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like foaming at the mouth. I'm like, Are you be okay? Ah. Yeah, one second. Oh. <laughs> uh I'd probably keep mine in a bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a fanny pack. Yeah, yeah, you know, that might be you know, honestly, I'm kind of jealous of people who have peanut allergies now because they have the realest excuse to fanny it up. Oh, yeah. I don't have an excuse to fanny it up. Mm-hmm. All right, without further ado, here's Spencer. Huh. You guys want to hear a funny story? Yes. Um, yes, I do. Once upon a time at the old spaghetti factory, I met Spencer, and it was a random encounter. He was freshly hired, freshly hired, first shift. And for whatever fucking reason they decided to give him to me, I still don't, I, to this day, I they don't They just understand. give you all the train trainees. <laughs> I don't know. Only the good ones, I guess. Yeah. But to this day, I don't understand why they gave me that responsibility. And I trained Spencer how to be a server, which is so weird to think about in retrospect. But You kicked it off. Yeah. And, like, we actually had a pretty good shift. Um, no, it was a bad shift. Remember, you, we, you had to comp, so? we had to comp the meatballs. Yeah, well, you tell that part. Oh, yeah. It was like my first ever shift, so I had no idea what I was doing. We're just following Wallace around. and We had 
like a big top. It was like a 10, 12 person table. Yeah. And uh, the kitchen screwed it all up, sent out a bunch of uncooked meatballs. And oh, no. Like yeah, uncooked? Like, like pink meatballs. Like, and so, like, they call us over and cut the meatball open and show us. So we're like, ah, that's not good. <laughs> so we had to comp off a whole bunch of the food. And Was that like four fifty? Six dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> like half the bill, so like yeah, nineteen dollars. <laughs> well, like spag meatballs cost at that point what like two fifty. Honestly, <laughs> for, for a side of two meatballs, you could even buy one side of meatball if you wanted. If you're just like that much of a ring in one meatball, a Scrooge. Yeah, single meatball, please. Mm -hmm. I'm not that hungry today. Um, but that's why I met Spencer, and uh, so I started serving. Yeah, that too. That I never was... knew that Wallace trained Spencer. I didn't. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first trainer, my first shift, yeah. It was probably, like, one of the very first people that I ever trained ever, too, which is why I look back on it, like, what the fuck were they thinking? Were you on acid that time? <laughs> Not that time. <laughs> okay. But Spencer was there for that time, but that's a that's a whole yeah, nother story. I did take, I, so Wallace tipped me out, actually, and I still do that to this day every time I train somebody because of that. Like, Damn straight, man. I respect that. Yeah. Because, like, your last training shift, like, all right, you're taking the whole section, blah, 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 I'll be here if you need support. And also I'm taking all of the money you make at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, come on, man. Can we no, yeah, exactly. Chunk of this? <laughs> exactly. And there's been times where, like, I've been training people and, like, yeah, they get stuck into, like, busing tables the whole shift because we're so busy and they don't even learn anything and it's not a training shift for them. So, of course. Yeah. Makes sense. That's nice. I mean, like, honestly, I don't tip everyone out. <laughs> but, you know, if they help me out, I'm like, yeah, of course, man. Here's, like, some cash that I made tonight super easy to do plus it gives you a little taste wants you to come back and like try hard again so that's my my logic behind it i met spencer in college along with joey yeah. in college in <laughs> college the time before time the <laughs> land of how many years seven years ago now seven years oh don't say no, it like my that God. oh jesus dude oh, fuck oh. wow it was seven Oof. years ago are you serious? Years. Yeah. 2012. That's so long. Ouch. We all lived on the same floor in the same dorm. It was like 6.25 years ago. <laughs> it was the fall. I guess, yeah, Does that make you feel better, Joey? Yes. Yeah, actually. <laughs> we have fair. nine months still in seven years it's ago. It's March, dude. No, it was like six and a half years ago. Yeah. Wow. I think the point of, of all of these stories, though, is that we've known Spencer for a very long time. Um, we've been doing this podcast for a while too, and it's kind of like uh, it's coming to a head now. We've been realizing that we should have had him on for a while. It's and finally time. Here it is. So okay. yeah, and buckle to, in. To Spencer's credit, I text him and everybody else who lives in our uh, recording studio <laughs> every day, saying, "All right, for the next hour, no one flush any toilets or stop on the floor." <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, our recording studio is very delicate with those types of things. Um, <laughs> it's acoustically sensitive. That's so, a good way of putting it. Speaking of college, I remember your first restaurant job, the thing you that made you get your food license. I don't know if I want to talk about this. <laughs> well, it's, it's less about this and more about where you went to afterwards um, was a Taco Bell. I mean, Taco Jesus, Bell. like the, the pinnacle of fast food. And How really, much free Taco Bell did you get? That's that's what I was going to say. I, I stopped paying for Taco Bell for like the whatever, how many months I And how much there. free Taco Bell did we get when we're in our college dorm and saying, guys, Spencer's working right now. Who wants Taco <laughs> Bell? And we just get as many well, people as possible. I just kind of put two and two in my head together, but they just changed, like they changed a whole bunch of management and did a whole bunch of like 
changing of the restaurant, like, right around the time I quit. So it would make sense that all our numbers were really bad if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, humble beginnings, but... What popular. is your job now, Spencer? Why don't you tell us what a little bit about what you do now? I uh, I, I take care of the bar program at an Italian restaurant in Fremont, Seattle. I've kind of been doing Italian for the last three years now, for fine dining Italian for the last three years, but I guess technically five years of Italian dining with Spaghetti Factory. But and that's that's really the amazing point is you came from Taco Bell, worked your way up, and every new job, you ascended the ranks of restaurant cuisine and then you made it into fine dining and so what i really want to know from you is what is one difference that no one would really think about or expect working from taco bell to white shirt black tie fine dining that's yeah that's a really difficult question um or maybe an obvious difference if that's easier to to point out but something something that as we, we can all think of the most I, obvious differences? Mm. I would say that there is, it's more interesting to say that like there's actually a lot more similarities between working in a fine dining establishment and working in a Taco Bell than <laughs> people would really realize. Like, like The industry crossover is so significant. I mean, you guys know that. There's just every restaurant has the same exact things they carry over, and that goes all the way down to a restaurant like a restaurant, quote-unquote, Taco Bell. I think an interesting question to ask in this, in this sense is what is the trait that you think that you possess that you were like, yeah, no, Taco Bell's not what I'm cut out for. And then now you're sitting in a bar management program, even though it's like seven years down the line, but you've gone through like the ranks, if you will. Like what made you think that I need to, that I have the capacity to evolve and progress? What is it that you see inside yourself and potentially others that you think that caused that? It's like a natural talent for the service industry, honestly. It's, like, it's something that I'm really good at, and it's something that I've always been really, like, I've just had a natural efficiency for. And like, so at Taco Bell, you know, obviously I realized real fast that I could be doing a lot better and making a lot more money somewhere else, so I only lasted a couple of months there. But moved to Spaghetti Factory, serving tables at Spaghetti Factory, worked our way up to closing server, and you're making pretty good money there. But a series of events went through, and move to a different restaurant and yeah I just kind of do that at every restaurant and you move your way up and if you look at my history of restaurants it is kind of like ascending the tiers all the way up the tiers are pretty clear and so it's been easy to see the progress and that's one thing that I've always really liked about the service industry is you have tangible progress and tangible proof that you're good at your job in front of you every single night when you know with your tips and mm. customers affirming that you're good at your job so I like affirmation that, that's <laughs> so a really good works. point yeah, yeah, sales check average. Check yeah, if you, I mean, it's it's just like the numbers are there if you're good at your job, and they're not if you're not. And it's so. Yeah, it's a very cut and dry, black and white kind of industry for sure. So one of the things that I've always been impressed by with you, specifically when you got me the job in my first fine dining restaurant, and this was not local, although you got me that job as well, um, <clears throat> was you say your name with a tone that is really, really hard for me and I believe most other people to replicate. When you introduce yourself to a table for the first time, you say, hello, my name is Spencer. It's it's like it's a, a joy of yours to present your name to the table because you're so authentically thrilled to be taking care of them and you have this idea in your mind that there's this special thing that you're going to get from me this service, you have no idea, and that tone conveys that 
You obviously don't say it, Taco Bell. Hi, this is Spencer Taco Bell. Can I your order? Is there a reason that you do that? Is there a reason that, or, or an effect it, it accomplishes? I think it, I mean, it's mostly probably just a product of my server voice, which, like, a server voice is something that is a thing in the restaurant industry for sure. Like, everybody has a different tone that they kind of adopt. Like, our roommate Anthony has the greatest server voice I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, oh it turns God. from, like, a pretty monotonous, normal-sounding dude to, like, P.T. Barnum. Just lighting up a circus ring and yeah. like, the most animated like tone changes and yeah so it's partially that I would say um, I do totally d- adopt a different tone when I'm speaking to customers because like, I try to be less you know, harsh and gruff than I am in you know everyday life but you know I've had servers in the past that you can immediately tell that they're having a bad day just by their their introduction mm-hmm. and so like right then there it sets the tone and you want to obviously make a good impression so first impression right yeah like the exactly. first the first example you get of how this human being is and they're stuck with you for the next hour and a half whether they like it or not you know i mean well i guess they could go complain to a manager if they really hated your guts but you don't want them to do that so yeah mm-hmm. you know if you set the tone off with a good start then did you develop that in any way no i've i i know i i think back with what as soon as i started serving like yeah. was, i had that server tone and that like approach to the table for sure i can speak to that as well because when i would like shadow spencer at the spag or like even just watch him take tables like from the start it was just like on like he's taking the table and kind of like in the way that like a captain would steer a ship that's just how it kind of feels it's like a total night and day difference to like at the spaghetti factory like when i'm out on the floor i've got that tone <laughs> super upbeat and then Walk through the back zone, just oh shit, fuck, throwing things in the back. <laughs> oh, yeah, just just oh, fuck this table, goddamn. Just as much hatred and vitriol as you can like project <laughs> as soon as you hit the back zone. So Spencer, the word of the week this week, the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> you peanut allergied somebody. How did that go, man? How, I didn't. Pe- was... I didn't peanut allergy. You. It wasn't your fault. Why don't you just tell us the story? Right, Why don't you right, walk us right. through it? So first of all, it was walnuts. And second of all... You walnutted. I didn't... <laughs> that sounds worse. Yeah. All right, so... Long story short, uh, one of my tables was sent into anaphylactic shock. Uh, every server's absolute worst nightmare. And... The word of the week! The word of the week is anaphylactic shock. <laughs> Which is Sorry. every server's worst nightmare or a de- just, deathly reaction to nuts, I guess. Like, if there is the golden rule of... Don't fuck this up. It, it, obviously, don't send somebody an animal. That's the worst thing you can do as a server. Like, okay, so yeah, disclaimer, it was not my fault. I did put no nuts on this ticket and then clarified with the kitchen no nuts. It was uh, it was a holiday dinner. I want to say Thanksgiving was the night. And so we were super busy, you know, fully booked restaurant reservations only. Turning out stuff, and I think it was a salad that had nuts in whatever version was normally supposed to come out but this table specified no nuts so it went on the ticket as no nuts and uh at that point on i lost control of the table because the food runner was running food and so food runner did not see it on the ticket so food runner didn't check the food food went out had the ground up walnuts and stuff in the pesto and she ate it, went into anaphylactic shock. Next thing I know, there's only three people at the table instead oh, no. of four. So, so did you even see any of I didn't see her get the anaphylactic shock attack and go outside. I didn't see any of it go down because I think I was taking care of some stuff at the bar. But next thing I know, another server comes up and is like, Hey, yeah, just so you know, your table had an, uh, an asthma, or I mean, an allergic attack. And they had to leave, or she had to go 
like get an EpiPen, and then uh, so she was gone. Oh shit! So Did the rest of the table finish their meal? That's okay. That's the kicker. Is that, like so they're you, like finally we can order all the nuts we want. <laughs> We're gone. The worst has happened. At that point in time, I'm thinking like I'm fucked. Like I'm I'm fired. I'm done. Like this is the absolute worst thing that can happen oh, man. to the server. Like, but the best part about it was this table was like so cool. I mean, th- one of them had to have been in the industry, or maybe somebody explained something to them because. The way they had handled it was, like, they just knew. Like, they hadn't seen me since they'd ordered the food, and then the person who dropped the food off was not me, and so maybe they'd put two and two together and just figured it out. But they explained to me that they understood what was happening, and they were like, it's obviously not your fault, but, like, she's going to be fine. And and we took care of their food, obviously, and stuff. But So it all so turned out. So they did stay and finish their they, food. The older couple stayed and finished the food. The younger couple left because the younger girl was the one that had the uh, anaphylactic attack, but. <laughs> wow! So it turned out in the absolute best fashion possible. Like, they still tip twenty percent. Oh, yeah. on the like wow. forty dollars we put it on the bill or whatever. But yeah, huh. like I was thanking every serving god that existed that night. They do exist. They're they are <laughs> fickle beings. What is serving god's name? I forget sometimes. There are many. Ah, got it. Is that an actual? God of serving. None of us are clever enough to come up with a name in the past ten. Yeah, ten no, answers. that that yeah. was oh, a lot of blank. That was yeah. a lot of like us like just a, trying uh, really hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the softball was yeah, it was more uh, of a t-ball. For okay, for real question though, did you, did anyone talk to you like your manager? Did anyone ask you what was going on, or were they all pretty chill so about it? So at this point in time, it was also kind of an interesting dynamic in the restaurant as a whole because it was just a giant shit show, and there was no real accountability system. So. I guess if they wanted to pursue, like, me getting in trouble, if the, I mean, I'm sure if the guests were more pissed off, there would have been more consequences. But because they were so cool, like, I didn't hear anything back. But also because it wasn't my fault. And, and the situation was pretty obvious was as to what had happened. So, yeah. Hmm. Those but, are yeah. definite factors in any kind of situation, too. Like, if the guests are chill, like, you're probably not going to mm-hmm. have too much of a bad time. The guests can make a big deal out of, like absolute bs and get you in huge amounts of trouble like you could like forget a little part of their meal or you know what i mean i mean wallace got in more trouble for bringing someone over easy eggs oh my god instead of sunny side up than you did start on that bullshit (laughs) i mean like one of my tables i I keep saying i sent somebody into anaphylactic shock that's not what happened that's one of my tables went into anaphylactic shock and yeah, no, I got in less trouble than things that I've gotten in like infinitely more trouble for in the past. That huh. was just garbage. So it was all situational for sure. How far how far down the line um, were you in your serving experience at this point? Like how many years in were you? I mean, this was in November, so like Oh, of this year? Yeah. Oh, so oh, like six yeah. years this down was the line. Like, I mean I've been oh, serving okay. I've been serving so I started serving in two thousand and I started my industry career in two thousand fifteen. So but at this point, like, we could say, we could use the words, like, consummate professional, oh, basically. Yeah. Where, like, you know I, what that, you're that, doing. I was about to actually go into that was, I, I mean, another big part of how I handled the situation was, as a mm-hmm. professional, I, I didn't, one of the things that I struggled with in the beginning of my serving career was when I would screw up, you want to, like, avoid the table, you know? You don't want to go back to the table and admit you, you don't you want to blame it on the kitchen or you want to cover it up somehow, but... Uh, if you just go up to the table and own it, they're super cool 98% of the time. And you just explain what happened and 
you know, do your best to fix the situation, and everybody's usually pretty cool about it. Man, we had a just a tip segment planned, and we just got a bonus just a tip right there. <laughs> yeah, you heard sure. it here first. Own your shit. Yeah, as a guest, I'm sure if my server is looking like he's just not taking responsibility for anything and avoiding the table, I'm gonna be way more upset about it than if he comes up and is just like, "Hey, I'm sorry. This was what happened. This is how I'm fixing it." For sure. Yeah, we've definitely touched on that before, like honesty and like sincerity with tables, and mm -hmm. people can read you for the most part and know when you're telling the truth. There are times when you can bullshit your table. Oh yeah, I mean obviously. Sure, like, but... Oh, oh, we're not saying don't lie. We're saying take responsibility. Okay, there you we go. You can lie to them <laughs> and take responsibility in a way that's not really what happened. Yeah. But you're still <laughs> taking responsibility. But there's that voice. There's the tone. Like uh -huh. you look them in the eyes, like the leader of the table, whoever the head honcho is, and you're like. Hey guys, this happened, and then you say it in your serious voice, and they're like, "Oh yes, that did happen," <laughs> and that's how that's how it goes. Indeed, because you're speaking to them like they're in charge, but you're the one who's actually in charge. Yeah, and if you're in, you're commanding your table like you should be, then it's gonna be okay for sure. Not similarly to that, but this is more about like a personal thing. Um, it's different when you have to deal with like you know someone walks in and they're fucking having a shitty day, you know, and you're like, ah, well, you're clearly having a shitty day. You yelled at me the first thing you did when you sat down. It's harder when it's the flip side because this is your job. We talked about that a little bit before, like putting that front on of you wanting to bring your best to the table and having them be assured in yourself. Dude, how the fuck, how the hell, how in holy Christ Jesus' name do you do that when you're having a bad day, like a really bad day? Smoke a lot of weed. No. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like, the biggest mantra behind that, just leaving your garbage at the door before you go to work. And that's more important as a server than a job where you can go sit in a chair in front of a computer and just think mm. to yourself. You know what I mean? Mm. Your emotions are going to show on your face, and unless you're good at hiding it. And so it, you have to, even if you're having a terrible day, figure out something, your own personal way of dealing with whatever's going on. And, you know. Serving so like personal, and you make such a connection with the mm -hmm. guests that if you can't find a way to leave that baggage at the door, it's gonna come through some way or another. Yeah. So essentially, what? I, yeah. You you have to be able to hide it. Like you can't just mm -hmm. like. There's not really a way to just ensure you're gonna have a good day every before, every day before you go to work. You know what I mean? Whether that's figuring something out before you go in, like smoking a ton of weed, or yeah. if it's you know <laughs> while you're going to work get your pump up playlist on or you know whatever works for you for sure but just whatever it takes to leave that at the door and develop that connection in with your tables without telling them that you're having a bad day too so guys oh. what are your ways when you know you're going in like say you didn't sleep very much the night before say like you know whatever it may be outside stressors life gets to you what do you do what's your escape what's your way to go in with a smile on your face what's your release how do you do it? Cold gut. Mm, I focus on the temporary nature of work. Because even if you have a long shift, it's not that long. If you're a bartender, sometimes you work more than eight hours. But as a server, my shifts are pretty short. And yeah, you don't get a break and you don't get to eat. And sometimes it definitely gets brutal. But really, at the time when you're just peaking on your... I just got quadruple sat and I already had too many <laughs> tables and I have to keep doing this. I'm already super pissed and I just want to go home. Getting to go home is not that far away. 
By the next time you look at the clock, it's time to go Oh, home. yeah, yeah. If you got uh, quad yeah. stat, next time you look at the clock, you're going home. <laughs> you just don't necessarily, you don't have that much time to think about those things. So I just tell myself, next time I look at the clock, it's going to be significantly closer to getting out of here. And then I put my head back down. And whenever that kind of rears up, like it's almost over. And then everybody will be gone, including me. <laughs> it's like the heat death of the universe. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Except in this case, <laughs> yeah, it's basically. going home and going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, like cold death. No, that's a good way to think about it. Um, I'll think- definitely be like, oh, I'm totally going to take a nap when I get home. Even if I don't end up taking a nap, hmm. when I'm super tired at work, just the idea of being able to sleep, I'm like, oh, it's nap time, yeah. nap time. And then I get home, I'm like, I don't want to nap. I want to go do things. I want to spend the rest of my day. But in the moment, I just tell myself whatever to just dial it in for a couple more hours. Because it's not that long. Everything's temporary. Mm-hmm. That's a grander perspective on it. I'd say for me, I tend to have a grander perspective most of my shifts, good or bad. It's more about the moment to moment for me. that it, That's harder for me to escape. Once, if you, if, if you are so busy that you don't actually have time to think about these things, I find that not very challenging because all you are doing is task, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing. And if you do have the time to commiserate and wallow in your own shittiness, well, then you're not that busy. You're not making money. But in the event that, let's say it's, fuck, I have to go to work. Fuck, I'm driving to work. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm opening for work. And like that's, that's really when you wallow in the misery. For me, the biggest stressful moment that then can turn into a release is when I actually interact with somebody that I don't know, i.e. a guest. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, Oh, I hope I have no tables for like three hours. I hope I have no table. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I have a table. I have to talk to somebody. And I love talking to people. And then... Isn't that weird like, how that happens? You get in that mindset where you're like, I just want to sit here and fold napkins. Don't see me at all. <laughs> and then they see you and you're like... Bah! And yeah, then the second you talk to the table, next time you look at the clock, you're going home. But that <laughs> that's exactly the yeah. thing. My, my personal release is that the most dynamic element of the restaurant is the interpersonal interaction. I love people, I love talking with people, and so I get to use my personality and engage with whatever challenge, it's not always a literal challenge, but the dynamic situation presented in front of me, I get to respond to in real time, and that is such an interesting activity, and honestly, you get to be personal with them. If they ask you how your day is, I think we've talked about this before, and it's not going well, you don't have to say, Man, it sucks. But you can say, to be honest, I'm not feeling so hot right now. But again, not enough about me. You you can do a little bit of human communication with another person who's just grabbing a drink and a bite. Guest therapy. And that, yeah, exactly. And when you're in the, the weediest of the weeds and there's no hope and the be- the most hope you have is when the restaurant closes, those are <laughs> havens. Those are safe havens. It's like... Yeah. That's it doesn't matter. No yeah. one can bother me. I'm talking to a table. This is my time to not think about anything else except making these people happy. It's such a reprieve yeah. from so many things. Everything I was going to say is basically what you just said. Like, I was trying to come up with an answer to the question. And yeah, no, it, it, like for the first however many minutes it is until you get your first table, you're like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck, you know. But the second you get that yes sitting in your table, there's your opportunity. You know what I mean? You can still be in a bad mood and go up to the, and, you know, turn that into a bad experience and that sets the tone and, and you're just going to have, but, or 
you could go up and turn your whole night around just by using that interaction with the guests uh, to better their night and yours at the same time. So, because if you fake the first smile, it's hard to frown at someone who's smiling, and then once they're smiling at you, you don't have to fake it anymore. Mm-hmm. And like Joey said, once you're in the weeds, you're in the weeds. You don't care anymore about anything <laughs> outside of work. You forget that there's anything. And you're trying to of get work. to the table. So you go, Please God, let me talk to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> So personally for me, my... Whoa! <laughs> the fuck? Where did you come from? Oh, Whitney's here. Under Where's the bed. Here? Okay. Um, so my Nana died, and I found out about her being near death during my shift via text message, phone calls, multiple phone calls, phone calls to the restaurant, and my family's trying to get a hold of me. And Phone calls to the restaurant? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. And so it was just kind of like, hey, Whitney, this is your last time you're going to be able to talk to your Nana. Do you want to do that? And I was on shift. It was lovely. And so basically I went downstairs, FaceTime my Nana, who could not communicate at the time, and was just in the back, FaceTiming her very casually, looked at my manager, like, going down the stairs with my cell phone in my hand, like, you're not supposed to be on your phone, but, like, dude, this is important, so trust me, like, I have a good excuse for you right now. And I came back up maybe 10 minutes later just like tears streaming down my face him looking at me like you okay and I'm just like yeah crazy eyes I'm okay it's fine just suck the tears back up go back on the floor like nothing ever happened and I think that's the thing about serving is I've never at least to my realization I've never been able to compartmentalize as well as now because now I can compartmentalize like crazy I can think okay this happened but this is my job right now, and I'm going to put on a smile because I'm not going to bring you down with me, and I'm going to give you a good time regardless of me having a bad time. And you just, it's it's nice because that's the thing that gets you off of the bad situations in your life, whatever you may be dealing with, is I'm going to make you have a good experience right now. Like, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, and that's going to make me happy in the end. Like, I can take care of you, I can make you happy, and seeing your smile is going to make me happy. And just compartmentalizing is the biggest thing, and I've never really been able to do that until serving as well as I can. And the thing is, is, like, even when you're willing to talk about it with people, like, good things come out of that. Like, if you have a table that you're just, you're really, really jiving with, and they notice, like, a little something because you've talked with them a little longer than you normally would have to, like, evade the sadness that's, like, penetrating your smile, but just, like, by an inch, and they notice and pick up on that, good things come of that um not to detract from what whitney just told us that was just that was honestly a lot wit and like <laughs> oh i'm sorry no not i thought it was like a good example i don't think that you should that apologize. was a good example i have not had an example like that for my life yeah, yeah. all of our examples are really weak like yeah. oh yeah i was having a bad day because my roommate pissed me off so i smoked a bunch of weed and went to work yeah and i was okay and your, your example is like wow i grew as a person we're like i had to open and then i also had to close so i was really mad yeah. about it Versus, like, real-life stuff. Um, sometimes when I do too much cocaine and then I have to open brunch, I, uh, I only sleep about an hour, and then I go on the walk-in and I just yell, fuck, at the top of my lungs. That's my coping mechanism, guys. You actually do that? Yeah, all, all the time. We have, like... Oh my god! I was gonna say sometimes you just take a bunch of fucking shots and that's your coping mechanism. I mean that too, but you can only do so many shots before like your work level. On one, you wait, you wait, you wait. So you got like two tables left. You start taking shots, so you just get them out of there. Let me tell you, man. Like the the walk-ins that we have, at least at the place where I do brunch right now, 
Um, they're like separate from the restaurant, so it's super private. It's super nice. You just walk in and you just like fucking yell. I've only had to do that a couple times because I don't imbibe in the, the booger sugar too much. But uh, when I have... I didn't like that. Yeah? <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to totally derail just booger, now. Booger I, just wanted to, I just wanted to say I do not like booger sugar as a phrase. <laughs> I just am not a fan. Booger sugar? Yeah. Booger sugar. That's a little better, actually. It. It's a good the one. Hard, the hard R's. Booger sugar? Booger sugar just sounds gross. <laughs> booger sugar. Um, when... God, I hope my mom never listens to this. <laughs> Holy shit. She probably already listened to the acid one. I feel so bad. Um, sorry, mom. Tiffany. Um, but yeah, that's what I've done in the past. And I've had some really rough shifts. Not to detract again from what Winnie said, but like literally like an hour of sleep and you got to go in and smile. And it's like, I don't want to smile. I just want to punch you in the throat. Um, over medium? Cool. <laughs> and you just go like yell. You just fucking go yell. I do it. I just go scream. Like throat raw screams. Um, I've heard of crying in the walk-in, but <laughs> screaming is much more therapeutic. Never I will that. tell you. I will tell you. Do you just find the item in the walk-in that has, it's like its label is almost close to expiring, and you know, like they're gonna throw it out, so you just take that shit. No, no. But I always go. I always like walk in with a purpose, and then walk out with something in hand, so it looks mm. like I had a task. I'm not nice. just going in nice. to scream. Um, I do that yeah. pretty much every time. Yeah, if you're walking to, the, you forget something, you keep walking, and then you go grab a spoon from wherever you were. Yeah, just like some little yeah. thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I needed to grab a singular soda water. <laughs> also, podcast listeners, we haven't covered this word of the week yet. Uh, walk-in is a walk-in refrigerator, but mm. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely pop back up. So. We all play D&D together and are very good at transitioning segments. Here's our off-menu question. <laughs> oh my god. And you make fun of me for my segues. But I did it ironically. What would your D... What class... What... Words are hard, my friends. If you were a D&D class in real life, what would your class be? Context. D&D stands for Dungeons and Dragons, and in that game, which is a spoken tabletop game, meaning you play it on a tabletop of the map and dice, there are classes like elves and dwarves and things like that. Those are not classes. You are currently listening to a podcast, so I'm just going to take it on a little bit of faith. You know what D&D is. You're probably kind of a nerd. Probably a culture phenomenon. I'm just just trying to be accessible. I also said races, but yeah, classes is... What do you do? Do you cast spells? Do you fight? Okay, enough said. We'll figure it out from here. Cold cut. I mean, I would. I mean, I would obviously be a bard. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even have to get into that one. I'd be a bard. Why? I mean, is there is <laughs> that much to unpack there? I, 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 We're gonna I, I, unpack it. Um, well, I've got the voice of a bard. Mm-hmm. I have the hair of a bard. Oh my god. I have the demeanor of a bard. Okay. I did spend a lot of money in four years studying theater. There we go. And I DM for Dungeons and Dragons, which I feel like is pretty bardy. Everyone's looking at me, so I suppose I'm going next. I actually looked at Wallace, and then he was looking at you, and then I followed I his next. gaze to you. Regardless, I would be what my primary class is, which is a rogue. And my girlfriend, who's apparently in the room, is shaking her head. But uh, yeah, the person who I'm nodding just goes and. Uh, does what they feel is right and uh, pursues the pursues the path 
that follows the moment and is not committed to one path for any long period of time, but rather enjoys many paths. Yeah. Well, don't everybody uh, jump in at once. Let's. Uh, I guess um, this isn't rapid fire, so it's not. Time. It's not. I mean, like Joey, you play that class in our game currently, but I think it does suit you. I think that that was your first class you ever picked. Right? We all like, pick classes. That reflects yeah, who we are. I was going to say, I'm probably, I would probably pick Wizard, which is the same exact one I picked for the first one. Why are you a wizard? Because I would get bored unless I had 9,000 spells to fuck with every day. Because he reads at lightning speed. Like, actually, if you ever watch Spencer read, he's like, oh, one page? Oh, can you say two seconds? Cool, I'm done. <laughs> I didn't actually believe that was true for a while. I yeah. thought Spencer was bullshitting nope. me. And then I took a fiction literature class nope. with Spencer. Spencer didn't read a single book <laughs> for that class until class started. And then he would sit in the back, power read through it, and answer more questions than anyone else. And I would sit there just glaring over him like, I know you didn't read that shit. And he was like, yes, uh, actually, blah, 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 fiction, blah, 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 literature, blah, 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 science fiction. And then he would just put his head back down and read like six more chapters yes i've actually uh in the next six chapters so yeah i could see the wizard <laughs> could that be like more necromancy though like isn't that it's a so that's a subclass based for around wizard. books yeah. that's a subclass for wizard i mean like necromancy is like dead bodies but like don't you take your 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 casting from from books that you read or what is that class what am i thinking of we just wizard, have a spell book. Yeah. Oh, it's just spell it's books. Just just like, there's like flipping through pages. Like, like sorcerer. Yeah, so theoretically, every time I cast a spell in D&D, I'm like, you have a book? I'm looking at the spell and then like laying a bunch of stuff out on the ground and like uh-huh. using material. There's a whole bunch of processes you have to go through. Damn. <laughs> that makes our campaign a lot more interesting. In my head, at least. Mm. Where else does it exist? Nowhere, except for your heads. <laughs> That's true. Wait, if you think about it, mm-hmm. we're actually playing as many different campaigns as we have players, because everybody's envisioning a different campaign in their head. Whoa. It's the multiverse of D&D. I am not high enough for this. What do you think, Whitney? What class were you? Elf. Druid. Period. Nice. That's it. Just whatever bullshit Ryan does, (laughs) that's what I do. (laughs) Ryan has been on the podcast before, but... What is Ryan like playing D and D, guys? What is, what is... <laughs> he likes playing you the want... dude who reads spell descriptions. If you all know what Ryan is like playing D and D, listen to the episode uh, one, one, one to five. One, one to five. five. Uh huh. We had uh, another member of our D and D crew on, so definitely check that episode out. Uh, Self promotion. I'm gonna say Bard too. Cold cut. Yeah. I mean, you know that I was. Yeah. But I'm not the same college as you are. No. I'm more like College of Swords. Hmm. I don't even know the Bard colleges, yeah, to I be know, honest. Because you never played a Bard. But yeah. but I'm a different college than you are. Um, you're more, like, theatrical, and I'm more subdued with persona. Whitney's shaking her oh, head. So you but lean more towards, true. like, the like entertainer style, and he's more, like, the like musically... Like, no, or no, I mean, the other way around. He's, like, the more theatrically gifted, you're more musically gifted. Dude, you are mm-hmm. so good at what you do. You, like, come up on the spot with these random songs, and you're just like, oh, yeah, let me just, like, sing you this awesome song I pulled out of my ass. Well, we're talking about in real life. Yeah, in, the game. in real life. He is not subdued compared to average human population. He is <sighs> subdued compared to cold cut in terms yeah. of... But- Coco's like projection so, yeah, okay, and voice sense. and like theater presence. Coco walks in the room, you fucking know it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Wallace. The way he Wallace shuts the door. Wallace can sneak into a room if he wants to. Coco can't do that. He can yeah. Do it. I can. I just Brain don't. <laughs> Truth. He doesn't want to. Yeah. 
That's what makes it cool. That's why I think I'm College of Swords, and you're College of Lore, maybe, but I don't really know. I'm College, college too of well. Subway. Yeah, College of Subway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, For your first time listeners. <coughs> Colcut's middle name is Jared. That's where mm-hmm. the subway joke comes from. Wow, twenty-two episodes. That joke we... did not age well. No, we. Uh, I'm oh, we aware age... that it did not age well. We got into it. Since we gave you that name in college, it did okay. not age well. Yep. Huh. Hey, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, if you have an opinion about what our real D and D classes would be, or if you have an opinion about what your own D and D class would be, why don't you just send us a little tweet to our Twitter page? You like that? I mispronounced Twitter on purpose. At Shifty's. Podcast? podcast at Shifty's podcasts. Um, real quick, guys, I think the only thing we really, honestly, need to touch on is what is the fucking god of restaurants? Let's be real. Come on, that was the one question that we all sat down and like looked at each other and we're like, "What is the god of restaurants?" And we didn't know the answer to Yelp is Christ. Yelp is Thank you for listening to Shifty's. I think this is our outro now. Uh, yeah, this has been Spencer. <laughs> I've been Wallace. I've been Joey. And I have been Andrew. And it has been our pleasure. And our privilege. To serve you.